MPB Think Radio. This is Everyday Tech. I'm Sherita Brent, joined today by Wilts Petraer, information technology expert at Newcore Steel Jackson and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctor and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Today we'll talk about some things to consider when choosing a new computer. What kind do you need? Do computer brands matter? We'll also talk about maybe you need to choose a tablet instead. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. If you're considering buying a new computer and you need some advice, 877-672-7464 or email everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio today with Wils, Wils Couture, information technology expert at Newcore Steel, Jackson and Flowood, and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctor and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Today we're going to be talking about some things to consider when buying a new computer or maybe a new tablet. What kind do you need? Do brands matter? We'll talk about things like RAM and hard drives and what the computers are made of, some things you need to be looking uh, into. You can give us a call at 877-MP. Ring. If you just bought a computer recently, what are some things that you considered? Maybe you're thinking about buying one or buying a tablet. Call us at 877-672-7464 with your comments and questions. That's 877-MPB-RING. Or you can send an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Good morning to you, Wilts, and good morning to you, Jeremy. How are you guys today? Oh, doing wonderful. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Good morning. Also doing well. All right. Well, let's start with a little tech news. Um, So I saw this on CNN Tech. It says YouTube is launching a streaming TV service for people who don't want to pay for traditional cable. So basically, you will be able to watch shows from over 40 networks, including ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC, as well as Bravo, FX, ESPN, and Fox Sports. This is going to cost about $35 a month and uh, offer access to content from uh, those those uh, those shows as well as, as YouTube. So this is interesting. Um, That's very interesting. It'll, it'll really be a hit here in Mississippi if they can get the SEC network on there, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the big holding piece. But uh, So do you think the future of uh, these, you know, big cable companies um, uh, is in jeopardy? If YouTube is going to have streaming services, you see, see things like Sling TV and all these streaming services – uh, popping up and basically and one of you can probably explain explain how streaming works you have to have the internet and you can stream these things through these services right right you must have the internet you have to have a way to connect in but mm-hmm. uh yeah really i think this is going to totally take traditional tv cable as we you know we knew it back in the day and and turn it on its head i mean I think people are really getting sick of, I've got 500 channels and only 20 of them are worth watching. We're wanting a little bit more of a selective package. Um, And, you know, let's just be honest. Some of these cable companies haven't exactly had that much competition before. I mean, really, if you want cable in this area, you're pretty limited of who you can get. And, and, you know, your YouTubes, your Hulus, your Netflix, all these guys are bringing in and they're bringing some competition that's really been needed in this market. And looking forward to seeing some prices go down. Yeah, Uh, I agree. Like uh, on-demand video is the way that things are going. 
Um, I have a uh, an Amazon Fire TV at home, and like literally, that's that's all we watch. Like, mm-hmm. we, I don't even we don't even have like a digital uh, antenna or anything. We just watch what we stream. Yeah. So I like being able to control that. And if this isn't going to have any ads or anything like that, thirty five dollars a month is well worth it. That's cheaper than cable. Do you think some people are afraid to do the streaming thing because they don't understand it and they just kind of want to stick with, with with what they know, which is traditional cable TV? That, and then you yeah. also run into, like, data constraints um, mm-hmm. because for a while, even Comcast had, like, uh, it was 300 uh, gigabyte or, yeah, 300 gigabytes a month that they would let you use. And then after that, it was, like, 50, no, no, it was $10 for every 50 gigabytes after that. Wow. Then they upgraded to the uh, the one terabyte plan. So you still have to watch it, just not as close. But as we get more and more digital content that we consume, people are going to have to start keeping an eye on that, especially when they start streaming 4K and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've noticed, like, um, some of the stuff I've been hearing out of AT&T recently, you know, they're really getting into the TV world as well. And they're talking about, hey, but if you're streaming your DirecTV or UVerse, we're not going to count that against your data cap. We'll, we'll say that that's okay to go there. So I think it's going to really um, – it is going to definitely push those. But we're also noticing that, you know, it was a couple of years ago we were talking about the, uh, you know, your cell phone providers, et cetera, were cutting back on these unlimited plans. You notice all the unlimited plans went away. Well, if you notice slowly but surely they're coming back. Because the demand is there. People want these streaming services. People mm-hmm. want it when they want it. And I think it's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, so is it best if you have a streaming service like this, is it best to stream over Wi-Fi? It could get pretty dangerous if yes. you just use your mobile data. Absolutely. I would say you, you're definitely going to have to keep an eye on your content consumption, your data caps and all that, if, especially if you're over 4G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially if you have a big family. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. With children. Oh, I mean, my, my son and daughter and wife can knock out a data cap in a heartbeat. We're on the unlimited AT&T, but they get capped at 22 per line. I will guarantee you, if I looked at the numbers right now, all three of them will hit their 22 plus every month. 22 mm-hmm. gigs per line? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that's they, some serious data. That's some serious Netflix. I've wow. never understood why my daughter will watch Netflix on a five and a half inch screen when she got a 32 <laughs> inch TV in the room. Yeah, right. I, I don't get computer. it. But, right. You know, she said, well, because she can roll where, the way she wants to in the bed. She can look where she wants oh, to look. <laughs> there is like no worse of a feeling than uh, knowing that you have not been on Wi-Fi. Uh, like if you're somewhere and you right. realize that you've not been connected to Wi-Fi. Oh, it's a heart-sinking it feeling. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. Like, oh, all the data I wasted. <laughs> right. All right, we're going to go to the phones. Charles is in Independence with a question. Good morning to you, Charles. What do you have for us today? Hey, Charles, you're on the air. Um, sorry. Uh, I've got two questions, actually. I was logging on to my Windows 10, and um, it was typing in my password backwards. It wasn't accepting my password, and then when I looked... A little eyeball. It was it was typing it backwards, and then when it finally logged on, my screen was sideways. Hmm. I corrected both problems, but uh, what causes this? Sounds like the orientation of your video card got uh, switched up. There is a uh, there's a hotkey. Um, is it like the control and arrow keys? Yeah, it's either it's control and arrow, or it's Windows and arrow, or uh, maybe one or the other. Control alternate arrow, I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like uh, those keys were accidentally pressed, and it just got uh, flipped around horizontally. So you were looking at it backwards. 
this was when I was first logging on. I just restarted, and I hadn't touched any keys, and it, and it was typing in my password backwards. You know, say I was my password was one two three four five six seven eight. It was typing in eight seven six five. That's wow. That's in, I was typing in right, and it was typing in backwards. I've never heard of that happening before. I, yeah, that's I a. Online, uh, and there were some some other people who had problems in forums. I just didn't know what caused these problems. So after reversing your orientation, did that fix the issue with the password, or do you still experience that? Oh, Charles, I think you're breaking up. Okay, and he just dropped off the line. Okay, yeah, that's. Um, I've not. I mean, I've, you know, I mean, I've done the. I've done the screen flipping thing. We would do that as pranks sometimes in the office, you know, just to mess with someone. Yeah. But I've never heard of the password going in backwards. That's kind of unique. Never heard of that. Uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit of uh, digging into that. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and with the uh, office pranks, what about the screenshotting the desktop and then moving all the icons off? Oh, I would off? never That's do such a best. thing. That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, another piece of tech news I wanted to talk about was uh, Twitter. Uh, this one comes off also from CNN Tech. They are rolling out some anti-harassment measures um, like automating Twitter jail. So uh, clearly there is a, a huge issue with cyberbullying and uh, abusive content being posted or harmful content. So they're implementing tools that can automatically identify patterns in the way harmful tweets are made and distributed. So if it identifies a harmful account, it will truncate the user's visibility. Uh, so this is interesting. They're trying to limit the visibility of abusive posts. Um, so in your own experience on social media, do you guys see a lot of posts that you would consider harmful and do you report them? What what can you do when you see posts well, that are harmful? I've reported quite a few. I see uh, there's a lot of keyboard commandos out there basically that get really, really brave behind the keyboard that would never say certain things um, in person that they would say on a, on a computer and especially having two teenage kids, especially, you know, teenage daughter, um, just some of the things that can get passed back and forth out there. Uh, people can just be cruel and, you know, yeah, it's, de it's definitely a problem. Definitely something to be addressed. Um, you know, as much but as I, I guess love, harmful is subjective because well, people is. post things and, you know, it may have some sexual content or some some vulgar language. And some people may find it harmful, uh, you know, offensive and some people may not. But uh, how does that work? Like uh, if you see something that you think is offensive, do you just report it? How can you, you know, be a part of a, a solution if you want to be? So I'd say the reporting thing is more like a democratic thing. So if you report a post, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take it down. It just means they're going to take it into consideration and make sure that it follows their website's guidelines before they let it go back up. Mm. But they don't they don't take it down until there's a, a vast majority of people being offended by it. Because mm. if they could only do it on one or two posts, then it wouldn't take much to control Facebook as a right. whole. Well, exactly. And just like what you're saying, too, you know, what's offensive to me may not be offensive to you. And, you know, at, le at least for me, when it comes to the kids, one of my biggest ways I go with that is, uh, you know, parental involvement. Actually, look at what they're doing on out there. I mean, I prefer I I'm not really personally a big fan of censorship as far as for somebody else telling me what I can or cannot say. Um, at the same time, I am a big fan of accountability. You know, I mean, I think that we all need to be kind of, you know, accountable for it. you don't go around threatening folks. But I think there needs to be a little bit more human interaction in there. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm posting something on there and someone's offended by it, you know what? Hit the unlike button. 
Hmm. You know, and um, you can also hide posts. Like if they share something from some group on Facebook that's offensive, you can say, "I don't want to see posts from this group anymore." And you're still friends with that person, but you're not seeing all their political beliefs and so forth, which I find very helpful. I just unfriend. Yeah. I unfriend yeah. and unfollow people all day, every day, <laughs> and it is very, uh, it's relaxing and it relieves stress yeah. to just yeah. unfollow and unfriend people. Sure. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna go to Alan and Brandon before we go to the break. Uh, Alan has a comment. Good morning to you, Alan. What do you have for? today. Hey, Sharita Wilson. Jeremy, how y'all doing? Doing wonderful. Well. How are you, Ellen? I'm doing well. I wanted to comment about the uh, the YouTube TV thing you were talking about. Uh, and could y'all tell us how much data it takes to watch an hour of high depth or 4K streaming videos? I think that's an important point to make with these services since that seems to be the way we're going. I think it's also important to mention that a, a large majority of Mississippi's not going to be able to play on that stuff. My understanding is there's a whole lot of folks in the state that, that don't have access to the, the level of internet service you need to be able to watch streaming video with any kind of quality and stuff. So maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, I guess it's great maybe if you're in Jackson or the, the bigger cities, but uh, uh, I just thought I'd make those points. No, you ask a very good question. Like, how can we break this down for people and let them know what the what the actual usage would be um it's difficult to do that with any kind of content so i just kind of quickly googled this myself uh some providers say 350 megabytes per hour is one hour of high def content but it could be as low as 120 megabytes per hour um everybody's kind of got a mixed bag on that one so we don't want to generalize it too much because then people won't be uh, looking at what they're consuming on their phones because every phone now has a way of seeing how much data you're consuming and you can check up on those things to be sure. So I would say just uh, do a little bit of viewing and then check your own uh, consumption and see what it comes out to be because it's going to be a little bit different for everybody. Well, and another it's, a good, th- it's, oh. it's a goodly chunk, though. I guess you just ought to keep emphasizing that because, uh, you know, I, I know an hour of, uh, of high-def video it's got to be a be a goodly chunk, but I'm when I'm downloading books that are, you know, 100 megabytes big, uh, uh, you know, that are just spoken audio. So I, I know the number's got to be big, and I know that ultimately where the people that provide the service are going to be making their money and stuff. So just just keep that in mind. So. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And something to also remember is your different apps will have different settings. For example, you can tell Netflix to actually give you video at a lower quality stream um, you know for example i mentioned earlier about my my daughter really loves to watch netflix and she can binge watch uh gray's anatomy with the best of them and but she can actually set that down to where it's not you know she doesn't need it in high def on a five and a half inch iphone screen so she'll actually stream it at a lower quality so that way it's it's you know she's not having to worry about running into buffering and she's not using as much data and it's just just being, you know, trying to improve your performance there. So that is something to look at. Your different apps can allow you to change that. And see, here's a, another uh, example of varying stories. I'm on AT&T's website, and they have a data streaming calculator, and they say one hour of high def is one gigabyte. Mm. So wow. be very wary. And That's definitely check that data after you're watching some videos. All right, Alan, thank you. Did you have something else, Wilts? Well, I just uh, one of my friends actually just shot me a, over a screenshot on Amazon Video. You can actually go in and set your streaming quality, uh, best, better, or good. And on theirs, they say good runs at about 6 gig of data, but you set that 
uh, with best being all the way up to 5.8 gig of data for an hour of video. So you wow. really can affect that, it by yeah. just setting those, you know, those settings in your app. So something to look at. All right. Thanks for that call, Alan. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we have Jeffrey to get to who's in Tennessee, and we have a few lines open. Our overall topic for today is how to choose a new computer or a new tablet. What are some things to consider? We'll get into that after the break. If you're having any issues with your computers or tablets and uh, you need some assistance, you can call us this morning. The number is 877-MPB-RING. 877-672-7464 or send an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're talking about some things to consider when buying a new computer or a new tablet. You can give us a call. Maybe you've bought one recently. What are some things that you took into consideration before purchasing? Or maybe you're having an issue with your tablet or computer. You want to make it better and need some assistance. Call us 877-MPB-RING is the number. We do have some lines open. 877-672-7464 or email everydaytech at mpbonline.org. All right, we have a couple calls to get to. We are going first to Jeffrey, who's in Pickwick, Tennessee, with a question. Good morning to you, Jeffrey. What do you have for us today? Hi. So, uh, my so I just bought a computer about a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it's in great condition and everything, but air but uh, it won't connect to the internet. Okay. Uh, so, Jeffrey, how long have you been having this problem? Uh, about since. Christmas. Since Christmas, okay. And uh, have you tried to uh, wire directly into your modem or your router? Oh uh, yes, sir. Okay, so it, this is a this is a laptop, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so no matter which way you go about connecting, you cannot connect. Okay. No, sir. Uh, so really what we need you to do is email the show because we have a list of instructions for you. Uh, we're going to uh, basically reset your internet protocols. Uh, but we don't want to just do that over the air. It's kind of involved. So if you could just shoot an email to the show, uh, everydaytech at mpbonline.org, we will be glad to assist you with that. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Jeffrey, thank you Wonderful. so much for your call. Looking forward to that email. Uh, we'll stay on the phones. Dave is in Mobile with a question uh, about choosing a new computer. Good morning, Dave. What do you have for us today? Uh, good morning. Uh, two things real quick. Uh, number one, are any of you familiar with uh, the streaming service called Curiosity Stream? I'm, I'm not. not. I'm not. Okay. Uh, just make a note and check it. You can uh, go to it and get uh, one month's uh, uh, trial free. It is a, uh, a pay service. But uh, just real quick, the mission of the Curiosity Stream is to provide an affordable, ad-free 
online destination where the world's best factual television content can be enjoyed on demand on any device by the planet's community of the curious. It's okay. Ooh, very interesting. Wonderful. And you can get it from standard uh, uh, high definition and 4K. All right, I see it's fairly new. It looks like it was founded a couple years ago uh, by a guy named John Hendricks. That's interesting. Who was, uh, uh, I think at one time, the uh, uh, founder of the Discovery Network. Oh, very cool. interesting. So it, it is great if you like that type of uh, uh, television. Okay. Now, uh, but my main reason, real quick, I uh, have a desktop uh, that I use for you know, my serious computing. I have a Hewlett-Packard laptop that is getting really squirrely, and I have a third-generation iPad. I am wanting to um, consolidate you know, what I use the laptop for and the iPad, which is just general uh, uh, you know, web browsing, surfing, what have you. Uh, and I'm looking at uh, things like the uh, Surface and uh, the iPad Pro, uh, the 12.9 model. Any thoughts as to for uh, what you know? It seems that I want to use it for would be preferable. Now, me personally, I have a uh, the Surface and actually really enjoy that. It does a pretty good job of crossing the full power computing along with the uh, the tablet functionality, which sounds like you probably like as well. I've been really impressed with that. I, honestly, I don't have much experience with the uh, the iPad Pro personally. Have you seen many of those, Jeremy? I have. Um, before you go looking to purchase one, I highly suggest you go just handle one like at uh, like an AT&T store or something like that. They are quite large. And when it comes to bridging that gap between iPad and laptop, there there's still there's no there's no direct bridge between the two. So if you want the best of both worlds, I'm with Wilts. So you need something like a like a Surface. And you know another one you might want to throw into your consideration is, um, and I've been seeing some some teammates at work getting a couple of these, and they've been really happy with them. Is Lenovo makes something called the Yoga, mm-hmm. which I have is it. really okay, yeah, I have it. Yoga? It's a hybrid. Tablet yeah. and a computer, laptop. And see those, that's one of those that where the screen kind of folds over on it. Right? It's not like the Surface <laughs> where it has like a cover on it. It's right. it's different. See, like I have this Dell that does the same thing. And honestly, I never use it in tablet mode because like I'm holding it by the keyboard and it just feels weird. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's just, you know, I think something just to kind of throw into the mix and look at. It's yeah. kind of like another one of those crossovers. Like I, we've had some really good luck with the surfaces out at the office, though. They love those. All right, Dave. Uh, the weight uh, versus, uh, say, something like uh, the iPads. Oh, the weight of the surface it's is. It's going to be about two pounds. Maybe pretty, pretty close to an iPad. Maybe maybe a little bit more than an iPad, but not not enough to turn you off from that tablet experience that you would get from it. Okay, great. All right, Dave. Thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. 
Uh, before we get back to the phones, let's uh, kind of jump into some things that people should be looking at uh, when choosing a new computer. Um, uh, Wilts, can you talk about uh, the processor, why the processor in a computer is important and what folks should be looking for? Well, you know, the processor, that's pretty much the traffic cop of the computer. That is how it's doing what it's doing. If you're, especially if you're someone who has a whole bunch of tabs open, maybe you do a lot in Excel, that processor really comes into play in making sure that the communications inside your computer can go back and forth fast enough. Um, you see a lot of different offerings out there. You know, you have your Intel and AMD. Actually, AMD's got a new one coming out tomorrow called Ryzen? Ryzen, Risen, something Risen, like that. Ryzen. Yeah. What's AMD? AMD is, uh, you, you, we hear a lot about Intel making processors. You mm-hmm. hear the Intel inside. AMD is really their competitor in the marketplace. And they pretty much, they, they jockey back and forth for the lead position. As you usually see an Intel sticker on the computer, like uh, mm-hmm. ours that we have right here. This is a, mm-hmm. I don't know what this is, a, a Chromebook. But there's an Intel sticker on it. And I really never knew what that meant. Little known yeah. fact, that actually increases the uh, expense of the computer. If you get it with an AMD processor, it's typically cheaper. Oh. Uh, and so it's kind of been associated with not as good, which is just not true. Mm. Uh, In most cases, AMD can stack up pretty well with an Intel processor. Um, So let's talk about how they compare. Um, With Intel, personally, I wouldn't use anything in a laptop with anything uh, lower than an i3 processor. They do have their, like, generic Pentiums, but I've I've just not been real happy with the way those things perform. Yeah, they're very, very akin to a technology we used to hear years ago, Celeron. Um, oh, yeah. They were meant to be your... I guess you could say bargain basement processor. And really in this day and age with so much content, be it internet content, be it, you know, just the things that we're doing on a computer, they're just really underpowered. You're right. If you're looking at an Intel, I3 is the bare minimum. uh, And that's for your, you know, your glorified office work, basically. So Um, how high do these processors go? Like... How high? Yeah, like what's the the highest quality of a processor? The well, you for talking, the consumer, yeah, for the consumer, we'd be talking about the i seven. Okay. If you're talking Intel, yeah. if you're talking AMD, it's going to be that Risen that's coming out tomorrow. But before that, it would be like an A eight, I think. I think they call it the yeah, A8. an A eight. Okay. I'm actually not real well versed on the AMD versus the Intel because you don't see a lot of them anymore. Um, yeah, AMD has really been kind of on the sidelines yeah. for, the, for for a while. Intel's been ruling the roost, and they have the i three the i5 and the i7 mm-hmm. i usually tell folks i7 or if you're gaming if you're doing that really high-end stuff on your on your computer you want the i7 video editing any any kind of really high high processing stuff yeah. like a video or photo any anything like that can really uh, require a, a beefier processor and you can get away with it on an i5 but if you really want that top of the line experience yeah an i7 is the way to go all right, we're going to jump to the phones. David is in Ripley with a question. Good morning to you, David. What do you have for us today? Hello, David. Oh, sorry, I didn't even hear you. It's okay. Go uh, ahead. My name. Um, I have a laptop without a CD-ROM drive, and I was doing a backup. I wanted to try and maybe back up to a different date. And all I got to was a black screen, and it just stayed there for hours and hours and hours. So I went online, and because it's only USB compatible, if I want to put any um, information into it, um, I got the information on how to 
get the flash drive and everything going, and I got my command prompt, but I don't know where to go from there. Um, I can get the uh, C drive and the D drive, but there's only a few files on there. It's, it has nothing to do with what's on my hard drive. So and, uh, basically, I think I need a fresh boot on it. Yeah, it sounds to me like you need some installation media, which uh, we don't really have any way to help you ascertain. Um, it would probably be cheaper and less of a technical headache to take it into a shop and get them to restore it. Now, um, what was on it before you attempted the system restore? Windows 8, Windows 10? It's, a, um, it's, a, it's an i3, basically, a processor with uh, Windows uh, and I was uh, just using Chrome on it. Okay, so um, it's a it's a seven. It's not a uh, Windows seven. It's Windows seven. Okay, when you boot up your computer, uh, when you first turn it on, you need to lay real heavily down on the F eight key. Just keep pressing it. Don't hold it down, but just keep tapping it and see if you can get any safe mode or anything like that. Uh, there should be an option in there that says repair your computer. But if you don't see that, you're going to need that installation media. Now, I know you don't have a disk burner, but there are ways of putting that on a USB drive, uh, which we would have to get you to email the show, you know, if you wanted to know how to do that. Um, it's not too difficult, but we would have to detail that in an email. I found some things online mm -hmm. in order to, you know, to go through all that. Um, right. So you probably found Rufus USB tool or something like that. The Windows yeah, to USB just tool, basically how to flash the USB drive, right. without like, which got me my command prompt. But mm. without a Windows DVD image, you're not going to be able to do anything with that tool. So that that won't. That's only half the battle, unfortunately. Yeah, you've got to have the actual files from that Windows disk. So that's going to allow you to do the do the functions you need to do. I can copy that off of another computer onto a flash drive. No, sir. You got to have the disk. Now, you may be able to reach out to the manufacturer of the computer, and they may be able to provide that to you. Um, uh, you know, they, they may need some basic information, such as the key off of your computer, off that sticker, but they may be able to provide that for you, um, an actual disk. So that may be a way you can go there. It's pretty mind-blowing they, they don't include that installation media anymore with no. any new computers because it's all factory images restored off the hard drive. But if you have a problem with that... You're out of luck. Yep. All right, David, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we have Terry and Mike waiting on the line. We'll get to you guys after the break. We do have a couple lines open if you want to join the conversation. This morning we're talking about uh, choosing a new computer or a new tablet. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you need any assistance. Uh, also, uh, let us know if you have any general tech questions. 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464 is the number, or email everydaytech at MPB online.org. Terry and Mike will get to you after this break. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, joined in studio today by Wilkes Petraer and Jeremy Thompson. Today we're talking about choosing a new computer or tablet, some things that you should consider. Uh, maybe you've bought one recently. Let us know what you took into consideration before making that big purchase. Uh, if you have any general tech questions, give us a call. 877-MPB-RING is the number. We do have a couple lines open. The number is 877-672-7464 or email everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Um, I see we have uh, a question about RAM. Before we go to Terry and Mike, uh, could, could you guys tell us what exactly is RAM and why does it matter when you're purchasing a new computer? So the way I like to think about RAM is uh, the, the way I like to think about it is that uh, it's like a it's like a series of boxes inside your computer. And in each of those boxes, you can store a program. So say like you open Google Chrome, you put Chrome in a box. Then you put uh, your email program in a box and so forth. Everything loads up into those boxes. Um, so you need enough boxes on your computer to, uh, to fill up. Otherwise, you, uh, you dig into uh, hard drive space into what's called a paging file, which just uh, makes your computer run slower. So um, really, uh, these days, the, uh, the minimum RAM that you'll see in a computer that you just go to the store and buy should be four gigabytes. That's going to be about the standard these days. Wouldn't you agree, Will? Yeah, exactly. I mean, anything really below four, and you're going to have a less than optimum experience. And how about the box metaphor? Is that Yeah, ample? I like that. I like yeah. that. See, I take it a little bit further. I put those boxes on a desk. Oh, and you can we only fit desk to the equation. Yeah, you can only fit so many boxes on your desk, and when you when that fills over, they start falling off of the edge of the desk. Yeah. So yeah, you got to have enough room to be able to fit your boxes. Okay, uh, Terry is on the line in Bridgeland with a question. Good morning to you, Terry. What do you have for us today? Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I am one of those people that decided it was a good idea to remodel my living area while I'm living it. Uh, my cats are not amused. <laughs> However, I have gotten to the point where I've got a couple of pieces of drywall left to put in, and I want to run um, an extension uh, to my next room over so I can have a uh, high-def uh, TV picture in there. And I've discovered that uh, you can't run high-def off a uh, off coax. Now, I was going to run um, HDMI uh, through the wall, but I'm told that it has limitations over over uh, distance. I'm looking, I can I can do it from uh, interior wall to interior wall, be about 20 feet, or I can do it uh, from outer wall to other outer wall, which may be as much as about 45 or so feet. I've been told that uh, you can run CAT-6 um, and get... Uh, just as good a results as you, as you can with the with the uh, coax. Uh, my my cats have told me that uh, they definitely want to watch Puppy Bowl in high def uh, <laughs> next year. So uh, this is a priority here. Help me out, buddy. Okay, so you said that your HDMI cable run would be about twenty feet. Well, it can I, if I run it from inner wall to inner wall, it'll be about twenty feet. I'd sort of like to run it from outer wall to outer wall which would be about 45 feet. That's still within the limitations of HDMI. In fact, I have a 50-foot cable on a TV <laughs> that I have at my shop, and it works just fine. Okay. Um, now, regarding your Cat 6 runs, um, you're not going to want to do that with cable that you terminate yourself. You're going to want to do that with cable that's already pre-made. 
because Cat 6 is so specific in its standard that human beings can't crimp the wires to the to the point that it needs to be uh, to to maintain the integrity of that wire. So if you get it, get pre-made Cat 6. Right. Well, it's probably cheaper to do that anyway. Uh, yes, sir. Now, tell me this: if you're if this is for your HD TV, how would Cat Six help you? Are you talking about running both your internet and your HDMI? Well, you know, I've got my uh, uh, my internet set up in the one room, and all I want to do is run an extension over to the other room. Uh huh. And um, I, like I said, I ran coax just to play with it and realize that I don't get a, a high depth signal off the uh, off the off the coax. Right. And uh, I was going to run the HDMI but just looking on online it says you know there's some limitations over distance and they say the cat 6. But but again, I'm just not going all that terribly far in a worst case scenario. Which, as as long as you're not exceeding that 50 feet with HDMI you should be fine and I believe your cat 6 runs are uh, 100 meters. Is that right? Sorry. It's 300 feet. So yeah, 100 meters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and there's... Um, but typically, uh, Cat 5, Cat 6 is not going to be for video. Those no, are networking right. But he was saying he had his internet in the other room. Okay, so it, yeah. All right, Terry, thank you so I'll much for your call. I plates there. Will, uh, will the signal degrade when I'm connecting uh, from uh, one... Uh, outlet into the into the wall plate get one of those double-sided keystones that you plug directly into in the wall and then you've got the the female on the other side get one of those instead of one that you have to punch down all right terry thank you so much for your call we appreciate it uh we are going next to mike mike thank you so much for holding on uh, so patiently what is your question hello mike you're on the air yes Hey. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, my, my question is, uh, here's what I, I do on the computer. I do Excel spreadsheets and uh, photos that we take of the grandkids or scans that I do from when my parents took pictures 40 years ago. I kind of, up, uh, you know, update the, the, the pictures and stuff. And my, my question is, uh, and not mission critical, but I-5 or I-7, and then as always, a, a man thing of the, the bigger the number, the better. And uh, is 16 gig of memory better than 20? Or not as, you know, is 24 better than 16? Is 32 better than, than all of them? The laptops that I'm looking at will go up to uh, 64. Is that just, are we playing overkill for updating some pictures and some Excel? Yeah, that uh, would be that would be way overkill. Major for overkill. you, Mike. Um, that yeah, is. Now, these are no games. We don't play games on this. You don't need sixty-four gigs of RAM. We don't watch videos on TV either. But the difference between sixteen gig and sixty-four gig is about you know, hundred fifty, two hundred bucks or so. You know, and just. Just curious. And we're sure we're talking about RAM. This is not oh, onboard yeah, yeah, storage. No, no, no. This is not the hard drive, the FSD okay. or any of that stuff. We ain't playing that. No, no, no. We've already got that thing here. I mean, it's just the, the RAM is kind of more my curiosity of, of what the hey is 16 enough, 32 enough. Eight, eight uh, is enough. Eight gigabytes is more than enough. If you're just doing spreadsheets and photos, eight is ample. Yeah, okay. it's more of an ample. And what would be the nice thing is like you know maybe on down the road if you ended up you know uh, you know a couple of years from now, 
new operating systems come out, you can always RAM's one of those easy things to change and to upgrade. It's usually a very inexpensive upgrade to do to a computer to get a little more life out of them. If you can do it. Most everything these days is going to that onboard RAM that you can't change out. So even that's uh, eight is more than enough. So sixteen would be plenty. So if that's what you're the machine you're looking at is offering minimum, go for the sixteen and you'll be more than happy. Right, and it also has the little, what I call a tag. It's just a little, uh, what is that, a 256-gig uh, uh, solid-state hard drive, and then it also has the one-terabyte uh, regular uh, 5,400 RPM hard drive in it also. So I don't yeah. know, Sounds I like an awesome I machine. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I, my, my curiosity was the, was, the, was, the, was the RAM. Gentlemen, thank you all very much. Appreciate you all's time. Thank yes, you, sir. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Mike. We appreciate it. Uh, Mike brought up a solid state drive. Can you guys talk about what that is and um, what people should be thinking about when it comes to hard drives for a computer? Solid state drives, the best thing to happen to computers in a long time. Very long time. Why is that? So it's like uh, your flash memory that you have in your phone or in like those memory sticks. Um, It's all electronic. There's no moving parts inside of it. And so it's faster at retrieving data it's much faster at reading and writing and if you have a computer with a solid state drive in it um you don't see a lot of slowdown especially when it comes to loading your operating system up it happens very quickly so um is that the standard now the solid state drives it's rapidly becoming the standard as the as the cost of solid state goes down and it has it has gone down significantly uh you will begin to see those in more and more computers yes Okay. People still like in the uh, the computer that Mike was mentioning on the previous call. A lot of times, some of those computers will still have that that large, what we call the traditional spinning hard drive, mm-hmm. usually used for your big bulk storage. If you had like a whole bunch of photos or videos you wanted to store, but again, that's more or less really becoming less common now because solid state has yeah. gotten a lot cheaper. But in fact, if we're talking Mac, it's all solid state. Everything they do is solid state now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I also have a question about operating systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that pretty much up to the person? What kind of op- operating system you want to use? Uh, is one better than the other? You know, we have Mac and Windows. Uh, is one top of the line and one bottom of the line? <laughs> well, if you go into a big box store, you're only going to be able to get Windows 10 now. That's just the way it is. So if you want something lower, right. Windows 8, why would you? Uh, right. Windows 7, I can understand. I have a lot of clients that still come to me and ask for Windows 7. So I say we got to go online and get you something from somewhere else. You're not going to be able to get that at a big box store. Uh, Windows 10 is making great strides toward becoming good. Personally, I think it's still under development. Uh, It's mostly stable, but I've had some issues with it myself. And I see machines come into my shop on a weekly basis with like, hey, I installed an update overnight and now my computer won't boot. I've been seeing that a lot lately. So a lot of people are still clinging to Windows 7 and with good reason. I mean, business-wise, we're still sticking with Windows 7 well, yeah. for the most part. We've, yeah. got, we've got some Windows 10 going out, but some compatibility mm-hmm. issues. And uh, I think there's another big anniversary update coming out for, yeah. for 10 this year. Yeah. So. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. We're talking about some things to consider when you are buying a new computer or tablet. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you need any assistance or if you have any questions or comments in general. 877 672 7464 is the number. We're going back to the phones. Timothy is in Louisiana with a comment. Good morning to you, Timothy. What do you have for us today? Well, I just want to let you all know there's another option, Ubuntu. 
which is a build of Linux. I'm running uh, 64-bit Ubuntu on my uh, 64-bit Raspberry Pi on a 32-gigabyte flash solid, you know, uh, solid-state drive, and I just love it. Ubuntu is is a great operating system, but for most of our listeners, it's going to be a little beyond what they're looking to do. And while I believe also that Linux is making great strides, it's still it's it's not it's not for everyone's uh, it's not within everyone's reach. Uh, they don't necessarily want to install a custom operating system on their computer. And while again, I'm with you, I like open source. I like free operating systems. It's still something that uh, would confuse a lot of people. So that's why we don't really mention that one too much. Um, it's difficult to go to a store and get a computer with Ubuntu in it. I know you can order those from Dell if any of our listeners are interested in them, but we generally don't even talk about that one. It's a little... Okay. Oh. Glad it's working out for you, Timothy. I love it. And it's only $7 if you want to order the... Order the um, you know, the operating system on a flash drive from Ubuntu. It's $7. Wow. I mean, that's cheaper than a flash drive. Wow. It's got an operating system loaded on it, you know? All right. And um, so I, I really recommend it. And, it, I, you know, it's just not that difficult. All right. Well, uh, maybe some folks listening uh, hear the sound of your voice, Timothy, and may look into it. You never know. We right. we appreciate you know, your call. Have a groovy day. All right. You have a groovy yeah. day too. Thank you. I will. <laughs> and you know what? Timothy brings up another good point too. Don't don't discount. We mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show. The Chromebooks. The Chromebooks are really gaining. They are gaining some good ground, especially if um, if a lot of what you're doing is online. Especially if you're in that Google environment, uh, can be really a good option for you as well. Okay. All right, Mike is in Tupelo with a question. Good morning to you, Mike. What do you have for us today? Hello, Mike. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, following up on this conversation, just curious. I've got an older laptop that's an XP uh, Dell machine that's, that's great other than the XP and wanted to see about converting it to a Chromebook. So that's not really the way Chrome works. Um, you can't just update it on uh, older software like that, at least not yet. I mean, there may be some open source alternative out there, someone who's trying to do it, but it's uh, definitely something experimental. Um, as far as upgrading goes, the only thing you'd be able to do would be bump yourself up to Windows 7, and you might also still run into some hardware constraints there due to uh, coming from Windows XP. Okay. But Chromebooks themselves are uh, rather... Uh, affordable, so uh, there are lots of uh, uh, options there and, and in relatively affordable price ranges. Now, Wilts is written here on my uh, notepad, Chromium. So, Wilts, tell, tell us a little bit about Chromium. Well, I was going to say, Chromium is actually that experimental program. Is it? It's okay. actually taking some of those over. That uh, Older XP machines? It has. Really? It, it is very hit and miss, and I've not been all that successful with it yet, but I still do actually kind of goof with it a little bit. Just yeah. uh I'm, I'm, you know, kind of on that line, same lines. Like, what can we do with some of this older hardware? There's still a lot of older hardware sitting out there that, and, you know, most most users, this is a glorified typewriter. So true. So I'll yeah. have to check that out. I I, yeah. I was not aware that was the actual OS at this point. Yep. All right, Mike. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, we go next to Peter, who's in Morton, with a question. Good morning to you, Peter. What do you have for us today? Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm an artist, and I'm. I'm in the market for a computer that I'm going to dedicate to primarily that world, you know, graphics and design. What is Apple still the way to go with that kind of stuff, or what are your thoughts? Pretty well the gold standard, yes, sir. Yeah, if you're if you're 
playing in that world of, of graphic design and everything, I mean, I really do think that is that is that niche market that Apple just really, really excels at. Okay. What's the minimum? Like, there are notebooks good for that kind of stuff here. What's kind of the minimum I can do on an Apple? Uh, so a minimum is going to be uh, something with an i5 in it, probably with a 128-gig solid-state drive. Um, if you go through Apple's website, they have plenty of refurbs from older models, like their 2015s and such, uh, that you can get a good price on, and they still come with a one-year warranty. So I'd say that's probably your best way to go. That's awesome. Well, thanks, guys. All right, Peter. Thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Okay. okay uh, final call goes to Will in Jackson, who has a question. Good morning to you, Will. What do you have for us today? Hey, uh, so I have a pretty up-to-date computer, pretty high-tech. Uh, it's relatively new within the past two years. But one thing I didn't buy when I got it was a solid-state drive. And I wanted to, you know, you guys were talking about it a minute ago. Um, if I'm going to update my hard drive to a solid-state drive, do I need to also purchase – I'm running Windows 7 right now on my system. Do I need to also purchase or update to Windows 10 in order to use it, or does it just swap over? How does that work exactly? Well, you will need to reinstall the operating system with a new drive going in. There are some imaging options out there, but quite honestly, um, unless you're – you know, just depending on your, your skill level for doing that, there are some ways to image from drive A to drive B. And if you were to email, I can probably shoot you some options over on that, but – but in general, you're going to want to reinstall. So you're going to need to have some kind of installation media. If you have your Windows 7 installation media and you wanted to stick with Windows 7, you could actually install using that media and the CD code, which should be on a sticker on your computer, should allow you to reinstall that with the new hard drive. Okay. Will? What was that, Will? I said it so I wouldn't have to purchase or upgrade in order to use it not no. necessarily but the, but the key is going to be do you have that installation media do you have the copy of windows 7 that would have came with your computer as long as you have that yeah you don't there's no other purchase necessary in fact if you're running uh, a valid version of windows 7 8 or 8.1 and you still want to upgrade to windows 10 there is still a way if you google uh the windows accessibility upgrade you can still get windows 10 for free all right, Will. Uh, thank you so much for your call. We do appreciate it. Uh, really quickly, where should people purchase these things? Does it have to be a big box store? Uh, can they get it on eBay, Amazon, uh, your your local mom and pop store? What, what are your suggestions on that? If they want Windows 10, you can go to a big box store. If you want 8 or 7 or something like that, you're going to have to go online, Amazon, Newegg. There are plenty of options online. Just make sure wherever you get it from, you get a good warranty, and they have a good rating as a seller online. People yeah, exactly. are happy with their with their service. Yeah, you don't want to go to, you know, Joe Bob's discount uh, computers and tire care because you may not get the uh, the level of service that you want. But as long as you're sticking with something reputable, um, you, you should be more than good to go. I mean, yeah, you're not just stuck. I do also recommend, though, that if you're going to purchase online, I usually tell folks, hey, step over there into, uh, into your Best Buy or something else and just at least put your hands on them to see what they feel like to make sure you like it. Right. Definitely. All right. So, uh, Wilt, you had a quick little poem that you wanted to read. Oh, uh, Wilt says yeah, a poem. Yeah, I had a little quick one to kind <laughs> of knock right. us out here. Ever notice the older we get, the more we're like computers. We start out with lots of memory and drive, then we become outdated and eventually have to get our parts replaced. Oh, boy. Nice. <laughs> good one, good one. All right, thanks uh, to everybody who listened. If you didn't get to call, you can send us an email always to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Uh, thanks to Kendra for operating our board this morning, and Sam's, Sam was helping her, and uh, Kevin Farrell was our call screener. Stay tuned. The original Southern Remedy is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.